Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Well, welcome everyone to Foothills Christian Church. I'm Douglas Peak, and I am wanting to personally invite all of you who are on campus here, whether you're been going to Foothills for 30 years or you're here for your very first time to be a part of our family. If you're watching online or doing church at home, I invite you to be a part of our family. It's really easy. You can just text uh, FHNEW to 72000. And when you do that, you can uh, kind of be introduced to our church. You don't have to sign anything, sign up for anything. You don't have to really do anything. It's just right to your phone and you can watch and get to know uh, who I am. You get to meet my wife, see pictures of my kids kids, see what this church is all about. And so we just want you to get to know us because we want you to be a part of who we are. Now, if you're in the Treasure Valley and you're not across the fruited plain, so to speak, uh, this next Sunday, right after the 11 a.m. service, is an opportunity for you to go to GroupLink, and that's where we form brand new groups uh, for you to make Idaho feel like home. It's who you know that makes it feel like home. So get to know some people, develop some friendships, join a small group. Uh, Foothills is a very active community. We've got a lot of things going on. Our children's ministry is going through the roof. And so after service today for about 10 minutes, the uh, children's ministry director and Pastor Harv just want to talk to you about all the growth and how we're going to accommodate all of that with our kids so that you can be the best parent that you can be. We're also big in missions work. They're having a little bake sale out there. And so uh, we always uh, do that about once or twice a year. So lots of things going on. We'd love for you to be a part of it. We're in a series right now called Jesus Loves me. And it's about the essential pillars, the most central things that make Christianity what it is. And if you take one of those things away, the whole thing kind of will fall apart. These are called essential doctrines. They are classic. They are orthodox. There's not a lot of them, only five, but we're going to talk about those throughout this series. And we're using the children's song to remember what they are. Jesus loves me, This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And what we're going to talk about today is the very first word in the song, Jesus. Who is Jesus and what is it that we know about him and believe about him that makes Christianity the powerful thing that it is? Last week we talked about a guy who tried Christianity and it didn't work for him. And I get why people want to try Christianity all the time. First of all, most people believe they have a soul, right? And so if you have a soul and someone says, hey, we're going to give you eternal life for your soul. We got this place called heaven. You're like, well, that sounds pretty cool. That's kind of cool. I like that idea. But another reason why I think people like Christianity is because of forgiveness. The notion of second chances. We've all done things that we regret, right? And so, boy, the promise of a second chance. You know, I can't tell you how many times guys call me when they want to meet with the pastor and get help, you know, and I'm like, well, either you lost your job or your marriage is in trouble. And they pick one of those two. And so it's like, boy, I did some things. I messed up. I need, to, I need forgiveness and I need to work it out. So people are attracted to try Christianity because of that. People are attracted to Christianity because of redemption, 
I mean, when you hear about how God fixes broken things, he redeems broken things, he can heal people. So a lot of times people maybe who are struggling with addictions, they, they turn to God and what happens, you know, to try to break that addiction. Maybe their marriage is broken and they're thinking, man, I'd love to try Christianity. We've tried everything else. Why not go to church and see what happens there? We'll try that. So there's a lot of attractiveness to trying it. You know, when you think about Christianity, they, they talk predominantly about love and hope and courage and bravery, honor, righteousness. Those are pretty good things. I mean, most parents I know are thinking, boy, I wish my kids had more of that stuff. And so they're like, this Christianity might be something we could try. Uh, I know another reason why people try it is because they realize that the notions of individual sovereignty and equality of all human beings is a uniquely Christian idea. It doesn't belong in any other philosophies or belief systems or religions. It's unique to Christianity. So I get why people have all these reasons to try it. But Jesus said the path is narrow and few are those who find it. Now, I don't know what percent few is, but I can tell you it's a minority. So today we're going to talk about why. Why is it that people want to try, but few people actually find and experience the authentic faith in Jesus Christ? And do that, I want to tell you about Lyle. Uh, a long time ago, before I moved to Idaho... I was working in a church in Wichita, and I was at the local university doing some uh, ministry there. I was doing some discipleship, and I had like two people that I was discipling. So that whole fall, we met. We met late on Tuesday nights, and then that whole spring, we met. And uh, I went over there for a chapel or something during the day, and I was driving off campus on one of those little tiny roads, and this guy uh, saw my truck, and he kind of waved me down. I didn't know who he was, and he, he says, well, my name's Lyle, and I'd like to, you know, uh, I hear you're like doing some, you know, pastor stuff on campus. He goes, are you a pastor? I go, yeah, I'm a pastor. He goes, well, I have some questions. And I go, really? And so I'm sitting there in my truck and he's kind of leaning on it. And he just says basically that, hey, uh, you know, I've got a lot of things that are going on in my life that are kind of a mess right now. And, um, and so... Uh, you know, I, I got some drinking stuff going on. I've got this thing with this girl, and I, you know, I don't even know what it is. And I, 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 you know, I don't think she's a good influence on me because, you know, when we're together, we're drinking all the time. And, you know, uh, and plus, I've just got a lot of questions. I'm going to be a senior next year, and I'd like to know, you know, I just have some questions. Maybe you could answer those. And so it's really odd. Now, if you really, really know me, uh, you'll understand the irony of this whole thing. But uh, instead of giving him an answer and start talking, which I, I do a lot, <laughs> um, I just said, well, I, I remembered a verse. I was just reading it that morning in my devotions about the followers of uh, John the Baptist, right, met Jesus, and they asked him these questions, and Jesus just said, come and see. So I looked at him, and I said, well, come and see. And then I left. And that just got under his skin like no tomorrow. Well, little did I know that he was the student body president and he was head of the largest fraternity on campus. I mean, he was the big man on campus. I had no idea who he was. So over the summer, 
you know, a few months go by. This is probably late May, early June. So that fall, I get ready to go. I go back on campus to see, well, if we're going to get together, disciple one or two people, you know, start small. <laughs> and so he's there and he's going, you know, what you said really, really has kind of bothered me. And he goes, I want to see. And I go, well, what do you suggest? He goes, well, why don't we get together and study the Bible and, uh, and we'll ask questions and see if you, you know, you can help us learn. And I go, well, as long as we do it together, that's fine with me. So Tuesday night, I went down to the university on the campus there, into the campus center. And, you know, I'd been down there for probably a year and a half, and I, I knew probably maybe three people on campus. And so now if you're on uh, campus right now, you're not online, it's raining. <laughs> that's what that sound is on our steel roof. It's, it's kind of soothing. I don't know about you, but if this was Monday morning, I'd be falling back asleep right now. But uh, so what happened is what's really interesting is he showed up and there are like 40 or 50 people there. And I was like, uh, what do I do now? I, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do with all these people. And so, so something happened in Lyle's life where it got a hold of him. And what got a hold of him was this, is that I, I've heard about Jesus I've read some things about Jesus, but I have never met Jesus. What does it take for me to meet him? And where we started was with what I'm going to talk about today. This essential is the bedrock, the very cornerstone of everything that is Christian. If you get rid of this truth, you don't have Christianity. You can call it whatever you want, but I guarantee you it is not an authentic faith. And what is that? Here it is. The essential is that Jesus Christ is God. My proposition is if you take Jesus is God out, if you deny that, there is no power in your faith. You're like Paul who says there's people who have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. There's nothing like we talked about last week that lights up your life, you know, when there's power of God all around you, but if your light bulb goes in and it's cross purposes, it isn't going to light you up. What power is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the power to redeem you. He's talking about the power to transform you. He's talking about the power to inspire you, to give your life direction, to have hope, to have meaning, to have purpose, the capacity to change, the ability to endure hard times, persevere through challenges, to bring meaning to your life, to answer the question, why am I here and what is this all about, this crazy thing called life? And if you don't have the answer and the power for any of those things, then you will never know what real love is. You'll never know the capacity to love or be loved. And that, my friends, is the ultimate point of your life. True, authentic love. And without Jesus being God, you'll never experience that. Now, today it's really popular in our culture to say Jesus is cool, but he never, ever claimed he was God. Where do you get that silly stuff? That's just a big myth. But let me tell you something. Jesus just didn't claim that he was God. He believed it to his core. Absolutely, unequivocally, without any question, Anyone who denies that Jesus believed he was God and said he was God and talked about being God is deceiving you for their own agenda. 
The New Testament writers recorded Jesus all the time saying, I am the Son of Man. I and the Father are one. The Father is in me. I am in the Father. He says this over and over again. All of his apostles who wrote letters that make up the New Testament say over and over again that Jesus Christ is God. And they are the one and the same. As a matter of fact, the whole reason why Jesus was crucified said they they accused him a thing called blasphemy. And they crucified him for being blasphemous. What does that mean? It's even his enemies said he's running around claiming to be God all the time. And that's why we're going to have him executed. You see, even his enemies knew that he believed this to be the case. There is no doubt that Jesus Christ believed he was God. Let's dig into some facts and let's see what he actually said. Let's start with John chapter 14. And this is a conversation that Jesus is having between him and all of his disciples. And it begins in verse uh, 9. And what's interesting is he's talking about right before this in verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. So Jesus says, the only way you're going to know God is through me. There's no other way to do it. And then his disciples, who were super smart guys, who always knew what was going on, said, what in the world are you talking about? Now, if you read the New Testament a lot, you know the disciples were like never getting it right. (laughs) They were always like, what is he talking about? We're not sure. It wasn't until much later where it came to light for him. But Philip asks him the question and says, well, just show us the Father. Just show us God. And, and then we'll know you're right, Jesus. And this is what Jesus says, verse 9. Jesus answers, Do you not know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. They've seen God. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So you see right here, it's unequivocal. Jesus says, the Father is in me. I am the Father. If you flip over now to Philippians chapter 2, we see Paul the Apostle writing about Jesus. Listen to these words. Verse 5 of chapter 2. Now in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God. Okay, being in the very nature God. There's no question that Jesus is God, according to Paul. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So he's saying he was God, and then he took the form of a human being, okay? Then it goes on to say the following. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in every tongue knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. 
So what he's talking about here is before he became the human being, he was God. Okay? Then he emptied himself and took the form of humanity. Now he, Paul writes another letter to the Colossians, and he says not just the preeminence of Jesus, this notion of who he was before he became a human being, but now he talks about how Jesus is the glue that holds everything together. Listen to this in Colossians chapter 1, and that's beginning with verse 15. The Son, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So when you see Jesus, you see what? God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. All his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile himself to all things. Now, you get a whole lot of hymns and himselfs going on, and you can understand why, because if God is Jesus, then him is he, and he is him, and in himself is all things put together. So it gets a little confusing there, but let me clear it up for you by just reading it. Catch all that? Through him to reconcile to himself. <laughs> So I'm here, and I want to reconcile all people unto myself. So I said myself that through him, I can reconcile everybody back to myself. That's what he's saying. He says, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And he did all of this. So here he is. I want to reconcile, reconcile all of these people back. I want to save all, everyone. And back over here, guess what? Is I will send myself. I will do it myself. Because you know what? If you want it done right, what do you do? You do it yourself. And he says right here, I will do it. How? Through his blood shed on the cross. That, my friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is God, and God came to save you. Now, my goal is just to give you the facts. I want to be honest about the facts of what Jesus claimed about himself and believed about himself so that you can decide for yourself. Because in the end, it's what you believe. It's your faith. It's your thinking, the decisions you make that matter the most to the destination that you make. It's up to you. Now, the biggest hindrance to understanding this is a, a doctrine of the early church that doesn't appear in the New Testament. They never use this word in the New Testament writings. But it was called, it's called a presupposition, meaning it, it's assumed, and that is the concept of the Trinity, three in one. It's really important to understand how this was a big deal to the early church. In the second century, there was a woman who came to Christ, had an experience with the living God, Jesus Christ, and she was a Roman. She was not a Jewish person. And at that time, under, uh, I believe it was uh, Diocletian or Domitian, one of the emperors, if you were a Christian, a follower of Christ, you were be put to death. And you know what your charge was against you? Atheism. 
that interesting? You know why? You, they considered you an atheist because you wouldn't say that the emperor was God. You'd only say that Jesus Christ was God. So she, of course, was convicted. And if you know Roman cities, they're all built like a hub of a wheel. There's a central area. So they took her down to the central area. And it, under their law, the Roman soldier comes out. They put her head on a stone. And he's only allowed to do one strike. We well, didn't have a great strike. And so she laid there for three days before she died. And she was, this happened to her because she would not recant her faith. And you know what she did the entire time for those three days that she was dying? She held her hands in this position. No, it's not a gang sign. <laughs> to the early church, it meant three and one, one and three. Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. People died for this truth. And they died for it because they knew if you take that truth away, there is no power in Christianity. And our world today is so confused. There's so many different ideas about God. There's so many different ideas about who Jesus was. But if Jesus is not God, then there is no power in our faith. And let me show you a graphic just kind of to illustrate all the different belief systems out there and how they operate. And it's just a synopsis. You can get this graphic on the notes through our phone app for today's message. Now, there's a whole bunch of group of people today that uh, believe Jesus Christ was real. They believe he walked to the earth because if you don't believe he's real and he didn't say what he said and it's recorded in the New Testament, then you're not an intellectually honest person. So everybody acknowledges, even all the scholars that are atheists and disagree with Christianity, they acknowledge, yeah, there was a guy named Jesus and yeah, he said all this stuff, right? So today they believe that maybe there was a Jesus, but some people are like, I, you know, I like this secular Jesus, you know, um, you know, Jesus is all about love and I like that. It's real general. But what happens is there's no power in that because they don't believe that what Jesus actually said was inspired by God, that what he did on the cross has the power to change and redeem. And so you have this secular notion of Jesus today, people who really like Jesus, you know, and uh, it's really popular today. My, the favorite irony I see today is rappers, you know, who... Uh, uh, write rap songs that dehumanize women, talk about their main goal in life is to get more gold and money, and they're going to go out and cap all their enemies, you know, shoot them and kill them and all stuff. But boy, they got their cross tattooed on their shoulder. You know, I guess they think that makes capping your enemies a righteous kill. That's just the irony of our culture. See, that, that's a secular Jesus, all right? Islam. In the Quran, Islam teaches that Jesus Christ did not die on the cross. Okay, he was a prophet, but he was not God. There is only one God, and that is Allah. Buddhism does not believe that Jesus Christ was God. Today, in Christianity, there's a group of people called progressive Christians. They don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. He was a man who illustrates the archetype of who we should attain to. But really, when it comes down to it, there's no power because who empowers you to become that? You're kind of on your own. Good luck. Now, on the other side, there's people who say, well, Jesus is a God, right? But they de-emphasize the human aspect of him and just say, well, he's one of many gods. 
Well, Jehovah's Witnesses teach that. That's their main thing. That's why if a Jehovah's Witness ever knocks on your door, they always want to talk about the first two verses in the gospel according to John. And so what they're trying to do is say that Jesus was just one of many gods. Uh, Latter-day Saints, they believe, they will say, yeah, Jesus is God, but what they, they are not saying is that he's one of many, many gods, okay? Uh, polytheistic religions say, well, Jesus could have been a god, but there's all kinds of gods out there. So the issue is, is in the early church and for the last 2,000 years up to this moment in time, the only power that comes from knowing Jesus Christ is when you believe that he was fully human without sin and fully God within the Trinity all at the same time. Now, this is tough for people to grab a hold of, right? Because it's like, that doesn't make sense. How can something be that way? Well, guess what? How can a finite mind grab something that's totally infinite? Well, you can't, but we can kind of point ourselves in the right direction, can't we? And so that's what this illustration is about. It's simple, uh, meaning that nothing blows up, which is kind of sad, but, but this is my God box. God's not in a box. Uh, this, though, the, what... It's filled with water because it's trying to illustrate, you know, when Paul says, in the very nature God, right? Jesus is the very nature God. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to illustrate not just all space-time reality, but everything beyond that, even in the spiritual realm, in all heavens, right? And so he says that, so you have God, and then what happens is it says Jesus took the form of a human being, right? So what did he do? So, he became a human being, and he came into space and time, right? Now, here's what's really interesting about this, is that the apostles interacted with what? They interacted with that. That's what they touched. That's what they smelled. That's what, you know, they felt and heard. That, but they, they, they didn't realize that this is the power that would change their life, you see. So even though he took the form of a man, there was like he had the fullness of the very nature of God in him at the same time. And so he walked, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and then 50 days later, he, or 49 days later, he ascended into heaven. And what happened? There he is. It's all the same stuff. Now, this is really basic. I mean, it doesn't even get close to how it really works. But what it does is kind of points us in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? It kind of, it's like, okay, I can, I can kind of undersee that. Now, this is what's really fascinating is when Einstein came along, he found uh, this phenomena, and he called it uh, spooky things we don't understand. Now, that's interesting when Einstein named something about this. But, but what happened is he said, here's what's really interesting, is if you take two particles, like two uh, electrons, right, that are here, and they're charged the same way, 
and you take these particles, so they're, they're charged negatively, they're electrons. So you have a, a particle here and a particle here, and they're both changed, charged negatively, and then you separate them. If you separate them by a million light years, when you change that one, guess what happens instantaneously? This one over here changes. That belies or contradicts the laws of physics. Because if there was a change, something has to happen between them in the physical realm, and they're millions of light years apart, right? So it would take a million light years for that information to tell this one, hey, I changed, now it's your turn to change. But it doesn't. It happens instantaneously, regardless of the distance between the two. So now you know why Einstein said, that's kind of spooky. See, these things are just basic truths. They don't explain the Trinity, but what they do is they give us an inkling of an idea that it's possible. And that possibility is the truth that has the power to change our lives. You see, if you know, if you know that Jesus Christ was completely God and completely human at the same time, the human side of him says, I can relate and understand anything that's going on in your life. I have experienced, he could say, exhaustion, betrayal, heartbreak. I've experienced laughter and joy. I've experienced all the things that you've experienced. I've even experienced temptation 40 days in the desert you see him being a human being is an overwhelming example that regardless of all of your flaws all of the things that you are dealing with the god creator of the universe understands you that's why this truth is so important he understands you and that means he loves you the second thing is that this truth totally transforms the way we even think about our lives. You know, for Lyle, he had these issues going on. He had this confrontation with the living God, and he realized Jesus is God. He's not just a nice idea. He's just not an ideal human being. He's just not a person that I should aspire to. No, what he says is truth and truth alone because he is God. And because he's God, this God, the God, the creator of the universe, is the one who came to die on a cross in order to reconcile me back to himself. And for Lyle, it's like, I, I'm starting to get clarity on why I'm here. I'm, I'm starting to get an idea of what is the point and purpose of my life. I'm not going to sit around and jack around with all these crazy things in college life, you know, going out and partying, trying to figure out girls, trying to do this, trying to do that. No, my life is designed for a purpose, and I better figure out what in the Sam Hill that is. I need to get on the right path because I'm not going to waste my life. I want my life to mean something. Well, where did that passion come from? Confrontation with the living God. And you start realizing, well, I've got all these temptations, you know. I've got all these distractions. I've got all these things going on in my life. How am I going to deal with that? How am I ever find the power to overcome that? Well, guess what? When you realize that the God of the universe has lovingly affirmed and given your life value, you start to realize, wait a second, maybe there is a point to why I am here. You can be completely redeemed. 
You can have a point where you say, God just doesn't give me a second chance. He picks me up out of the miry clay. He sets my foot on a firm foundation. He puts a new song in my life, man, and I'm singing. I am rapping the joys of the Lord right here, right now. Not only can you be completely redeemed because the God who is human is the God who is God. So he has the power to not only redeem your life, give you a second chance, he has the power to allow you to now chart a new course. The power to choose, the power to change the outcome of your life. Which means no matter what, you're no longer in bondage to sin. You've been set free from it. So you can grow. You can become who you believe God has called you to become. You don't like the fact that you're single? Well, you can do something about that now because you're not locked into what your broken radar says. Date that guy. He's a fixer-upper, but you do a good job. He keeps you free from that. If you don't like your job or your career trajectory, guess what? You can do something about that. You don't like the brokenness in the world. You can do something about that. It doesn't matter what the challenge is. It doesn't matter how hopeless things are. When we have the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, who became human so that he could know us, redeem us, and buy us back, guess what? Everything is possible. If you don't like that our politics are divided or that the ideologies out there in the world are poisoning our world right now, guess what? You can do something about it. The fact that Jesus is God, the fact he is who he says he is, is the most inspiring truth that you will ever embrace in your life because it is the essence of what Christianity is built upon. Because at its core, at its very central essence, it states without a doubt that we are not stuck. We are not lost. We are not victims. When we face the fear of the limited days that we have, the withering grass that we are, we can look at the death that we are facing as our bodies wear out. And in the world without Jesus, that is the end. You're toast. You're worm fodder. There's nothing beyond that. Death holds all the cards. It holds all the power. You can never escape, but not when you know the living God who came on our behalf and he faced death and he looked it right where it was most powerful and he ripped the living guts out of it and stomped on it when he rose from the dead. So when we look at death now, when we look at fear, when we look at hopelessness, when we look at despair, when we look at discourage, we look it in the eye now and say, God, the creator of the universe is resurrected from the dead and his resurrection power lives in me. I am not bound anymore. I look at the grim reaper in the face and I say, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? It ain't in my life because I know the living Jesus Christ, the God of gods, Lord of lords, and King of kings. No other way, never letting it go, never forgetting. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.